Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is the 2nd of September. Um, I, have I told you this morning yet that I love you? Because I do. I I totally love you. And I love that you send me pictures of things like your rain gauge in your garden. And so, Jim, in, um, in Simsbury, Connecticut, thank you so much for the picture of the rain gauge. Not just the report of the four and a half inches of rain that you've received and that, um, oh, hey, this might be a news alert to everybody listening uh, in our Hartford listening area, you are now under a flash flood watch. Uh, Not just a warning, it's a watch. And so uh, flash floods are no joke. So just hunker down with your radio and me and stay off the roads and get to high ground and all that good stuff. Okay, so flash floods are no joke. Uh, If you live, if you're listening in or around Hartford, Connecticut, maybe you are listening on 94.1 or AM 1290, uh, you are under a flash flood watch. And I know you've probably never had a flash flood, so you don't know how awful it is. Um, but they, it, 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 it's serious business. So <clears throat> stay high and dry. But thank you, Jim, for not only reporting on that, but for the picture of the rain gauge in your garden. Because, you know, I am noting that the four and a half inches of rain is currently uh, slightly taller than the green vegetation around the rain gauge. So I don't know what you're growing, but it's not growing very fast. Okay, there you go. Um, Hurricane Ida is what is still causing all kinds of grief. It's the remnants of Ida that uh, have caused all kinds of rain events, uh, deaths, storm-related incidents and deaths in New York and New Jersey just in the last 24 hours, um, tornadoes and, and lots of drenching heavy rain in the northeastern United States, uh, you'll see pictures today of uh, cars that have been abandoned as flash floods came through and people just you know, left their cars. Um, so New York City actually issued its first ever flash flood emergency and suspended subway lines because, after all, subways are sub to the surface and rising water um, is a real danger. So there were flash flood emergencies yesterday for the 190-mile stretch from just west of Philadelphia through New York City, and now those warnings are north of uh, north of there. So it's not over. It is a great reminder that there's just a whole lot in life we don't control, and, um, and so let's be people who are respectful of danger, and then also people who not only pray, but put forth the resources that are necessary to help our neighbors when they find themselves in that kind of um, in that kind of need. All right, a story that I'm definitely going to be following. The, the House Armed Services Committee has now followed uh, their counterpart in the Senate in voting to require women to register for the draft. Um, and so, you know, it's not it's not a law yet. It hasn't actually 
the rules haven't changed, but it has that requirement that women would register for the draft in the United States of America, that there would be a requirement in the United States through the Selective Service that women would register for the draft in addition to men. That is going to be a conversation that we're going to be having in the weeks and months and years going forward. Um, Because if, you know, if you're not operating from a Christian worldview, um, there's no reason not to do this. There's no reason not to do this unless you're operating from a Christian worldview. And so, to be mindful of that as we move forward. All right, uh, Major League Baseball Network uh, booted Hall of Famer John Smoltz from the studio for not getting vaccinated. Peter Kapsner is in the studio this morning. I don't know if he should be there or not. Should we banish Peter Kapsner from the studio? That that might be a, a good um, uh, poll question for listeners today. He's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Welcoming back, Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, Peter, you'll be glad to know that the Caps nerds are very quickly weighing in on the text line. Mike says, do not ban Peter. Oh, so. that is amazing. Mike, you are my favorite human being right now this you morning. Know, let, me just, let me just say that this morning we've heard from two Jeffs, a Jim and a Mike. And um, I got to tell you, we normally think that the overwhelming number of people listening in the morning uh, to to the show are women, but if the text line is any indication, it's an all male audience this morning. I, so <laughs> I love that comment. I was re- <laughs> until Mike texted in. I was ready to take my ball and go home. Banish me from the studio. <laughs> I had already picked it up and was walking out. I love it. No, no. I mean, I could live without John Smoltz, but I don't know that we could live. We couldn't make it. We we wouldn't be able to to do what we do without you. So there you go, Peter Kapsner. Thank you so much. It's so we are going to do some sports headlines this morning. We are indeed. Um, yeah, so uh, there is an Ohio State freshman quarterback who has signed a $1.4 million deal to sign autographs. Right. Um, so this is a good reminder that um, college players are no longer required to not have jobs. Like, you know, <clears throat> and this is um, if if you got this kid to sign your yearbook. Before he graduated, you you could you could bank on that. Yeah, you totally could. This is the result of a pretty big shift. Actually, the Supreme Court had weighed in not too long ago that amateur athletes could begin to profit on their what was called their INL, their image, name, and likeness. And previously, an athlete was seen to be compensated going to college by getting a scholarship to that would cover then tuition, room, and board, maybe the equivalent of twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars a year to be able to then play for that institution. But the last ten years, there's been a ton of hand wringing among a lot of different sections and camps, but primarily the financial sections and camps that exist within sports, that uh, the institution is profiting pretty significantly off the athletes when just offering them a scholarship is not enough compared to how much the really high caliber athletes are bringing to that institution. So this guy, he's, I think he's 17 years old. His name is Quinn Ewers. He's the number one ranked prospect quarterback in the country. And uh, he is skipping his senior year 
to then go to Ohio State University to play quarterback for them. And he was able to sign a $1.4 million contract to then be able to profit off of his image name and likeness and it's pretty interesting coming this is on the heels of me learning from my young people I, I guess I didn't know this when I was talking with a lot of my students that the the social media stars of our generation these are 17 18 19 sometimes 15 years old their annual income is well into the seven and sometimes eight figures just by profiting off of themselves in this way and I, and I think we really underestimate the, the cultural shift that's happened in the last 25 years where the power has gone from institutions to individuals. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I think there's a lot of correctives that, that were really helpful about that. But where I see it playing itself out in, in God's kingdom is that young people, with, if they want to get involved in ministry, this is starting to bleed into that, Carmen, where they're starting to have to figure out what is their brand, what what is their message. They might even sort of sanctify it in some ways by calling what is your call, per se, and then they're attempting to go out into social media channels or to build new institutions or whatever it is based off of their own image, name, and likeness. I don't know how this is all going to play itself out because we're so early. This is the first inning of, of this particular situation where social power has shifted from institution to individual so substantially. But but what's going on with this quarterback? I would say the reason why it's relevant is that this is going on among uh, across the board for the next generations where they're trying to figure out how do I make my way forward as an individual untethered from anything institutionally to be able to profit from it? I, I can't imagine it's my, my intuition, my sniffer suggests it's not going to end well. Yeah, I suspect you're right. Um, all right. Uh, high school quarterback. I know you find it stunning that I'm watching a high school quarterback, but I have <laughs> this friends. Is a, a once, a, once a decade experience, is it not, Carmen? <laughs> well, and ESPN now carries high school football, which I find really extraordinary. And I have a headline related to that as well, because there's apparently a fake team that got uh, on ESPN. Uh, a, a totally fake team. Bishop Sycamore doesn't exist. Not a high school. <laughs> people on the team, not high school people. Um, anyway, you should check that fake football team um, featured on ESPN. Uh, anyway, so I am following one high school uh, quarterback. His name is Gunnar Stockton, and he lives in Rabin County, Georgia, and his parents are my friends. Wow. And so I know, I know. So you can look him up in your free time uh, and be praying for his sweet family. He's going he's gonna to go to the University of Georgia next year. But anyway, he's a senior this year, and... Uh, a really great kid. So there you Amazing. go. That's my my one connection to uh, kids playing high school sports. We could have a whole nother conversation about uh, uh, about football and head injuries and, you know, that football itself may be going the way of chariot racing. Yeah, um, for sure. But- I just yeah. quickly so on that, a, yeah, on that topic, yeah. just quickly, I have a, one of my dear friends. He's a theologian, teaches at a at a local institution. His son actually gave up football after high school. He was a pretty good football player, and he could have played in college, uh, university. He gave it up for that very reason. I talked to him just the other day, and he said that the research on the head injuries involved in this is is so against continuing to play this kind of sport. Uh, and and you are seeing a big move generationally to soccer in our country over football because of the head injuries associated with football. Fewer and fewer young people are playing the sport, which has been obviously America's most successful financial uh, game here over the last 20 years or so. So that's a pretty interesting change as well. Um, all right. So um, the NFL is uh, cutting players based on their vaccination status. We could talk about that. But instead, when we come back from a very brief break, uh, Peter Kapsner and I are going to be talking about ghost month. I didn't even know there was a ghost month. 
There's a ghost month. What does ghost month look like COVID style? Mm-hmm. That's up next. Here on Mornings with Carmen. There's a ghost. There's a ghost inside of me. Not like those dreams in old bed sheets. Saying trick or treat. All right, uh, Taoist. So now we're going to be talking about a a religious worldview um, operating mostly in Asia, but because you know we're a global uh, people now, and people move around and they bring with them their ideas, their philosophies, and their worldviews. Um, these ideas mostly uh, in practiced in Asia, including Hong Kong, but also southern China, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Um, There is this practice of ghost month when the gates of hell are believed to be open and spirits walk the earth. Um, And so uh, I bring this up today, Peter, because as households are preparing offerings in prayer for their ancestors, the ghosts, the gods who walk the earth during ghost month, but it's interesting to have that conversation, but also in the midst of COVID when the temples are closed. So Ghost Month is open, but not for humans. Like This is a very interesting headline um, that I'm reading today in The Guardian. It is interesting, Carmen. I, I think it speaks to a real different worldview, right, related to the realm of the spirit. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything about the veracity of these claims or the veracity of entering into the realm of the spiritual in the way the Taoist would or what's happening in Asia. But COVID impacted us in the United States in terms of church gathering, uh, saying that we would need to just stream the sermons online now. And and, and we obviously had a, a huge impact of not being able to gather. The impact is hitting other spiritual traditions as well. And I think what's interesting about this part of this is that I, I was once, um, when I was studying at Edinburgh uh, many years ago now for, for some of my doctorate work, and we were studying different spiritualities globally, one of the comments that a professor made along the way is said, so in, in Western culture, we're always wondering, is there a spiritual realm? And he said, he went on to say that in the rest of the world, and primarily actually in Africa, Asia, South America, it's not a question of whether there is a spiritual realm. Of course, there's a spiritual realm. The only question is, is how do we most effectively engage and interact with this? So when when you and I are reading stories in The Guardian about Ghost Month, and it feels and seems so odd and unfamiliar and foreign, I think if we can step back from that that, that that foreign feeling for a second and crawl into the mind and the heart and the skin of people who are living in a different place, That that is their functional worldview. They assume that there is a spiritual realm. It's just how do we most effectively engage with it? And in the gospel of Jesus Christ and his beautiful kingdom, and when you read the stories in the scriptures, there's plenty of, uh, of stories in which we can learn to responsibly engage in the realm of the spirit, where it doesn't get wonky and it doesn't get weird. I, I totally understand people who get skeptical about the realm of the spirit because there's been so many snake oil salesmen and women in the West uh, that, that promise certain kinds of things and, and, and it just gets kind of crazy. But that doesn't mean there's not a spiritual realm. And it's really interesting to read 
how another place is beginning to engage with that and how might Christianity intersect with that realm. I mean, one of the great claims of our faith is that Jesus conquered all of the powers of sin and death. He actually descended into hell, uh, Hades itself, and blew open the gates and said, no more does death reign. I mean, this is one of our central claims here is not just that we were forgiven from sin, which we were, but but it's Easter Sunday where Paul says if the resurrection hadn't happened, our faith is actually in vain. And the resurrection is is what basically blew open the box on absolutely everything, physical, spiritual, relational, emotional, the entire part of it. And the spirits were completely conquered in that place. I, I just think there's a tremendous message uh, from our faith, and it's an underappreciated one, that at least I haven't considered that much growing up in Western culture, where our faith is often so intellectualized instead of relational like that. I think you're exactly right. And I um, I think that we gloss over the spiritual practices of other people. We don't spend a lot of time asking other people about their spiritual beliefs and practices. And, and we probably don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about or thinking through some of our own spiritual practices and why we do what we do. I, I was in a conversation yesterday where, you know, a professing Christian acknowledged that she thinks that one of the great outcomes of COVID is that so many people are now not worshiping, you know, at churches where they're influenced by, in her view, you know, like bad theological teaching. You know, she's happy that people are in the Word of God on their own, worshiping on their own. And I recognize that there's some veracity to that. I want people in the Word themselves, studying it for themselves. But I also want people to be in community with one another, and being separate from the body is not good. And, you know, an individualized everyone doing it their own way, Christianity is not good. And so, you know, I think that there are conversations for us to have about the spiritual realm, spiritual practices, um, what other people are doing. And, you know, and Ghost Month, apparently, among the Taoists, gives us an opportunity to tee that up for conversation with one another as well. What do we believe? How do we engage with spiritual realities, um, spiritual forces? um, And, and how do we engage with the Holy Spirit first and foremost um, as people who are given over to Christ? Like, I think those are good conversations for us to have. Yeah, I think they're tremendously important conversations. And, and to your point about doing this together, Carmen, I think it's, it's a critical part of this. In my first, one of my first classes this, this past semester that we just started, it, it happened on Tuesday. And one of the primary questions from the students was, so Kapsner, how do we think through interpretation. When I just read the Bible in English and, and maybe I've got an interpretation in my mind about what this what the scripture means, but somebody else is seeing something different, how do we navigate that? How do we walk through that? And and I think yeah, exactly. our, you know, our ability, you and me, other people who just sit and talk about these things and, and do the kind of responsible research around it to try to get our head around what's going on. This would be one great topic to do that with for sure. All right, Peter, you got to pay some attention to the Paralympics because those are wrapping up and I have not been paying nearly close enough attention to that. So as my sports guy, those are headlines I'm going to task you with keeping an eye on for the next week. That's Dr. Peter Kapsner. He'll be back with us next week because we love him and we talk to him every week and he's not banished. (laughs) I was worried about some red police tape for me later. We got got break point. (laughs) We got to take a break for break point.
All right, certainly the name Josh McDowell is familiar to you. The name Ben Bennett may be less familiar. They have co-authored a brand new book, Free to Thrive. We're going to talk about the role that isolation and unresolved emotional and relational wounds play in um, in the Christian life, but also among ministry leaders whose secret sins have become major news headlines uh, recently. So Free to Thrive up next with Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett. Everything changes when you know the rest of your story. This is Max Lucado. In 2 Samuel 22:25, David says, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. But what is the text of our lives? Self-help gurus and magazine headlines urge you to find your narrative. Look inside yourself, they say. But the promise of self-discovery falls short. Your story indwells God's. This is the great promise of the Bible. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. In His story, you'll find there's more to your story. Well, we've got a dynamic duo with us today. Joining us right now, co-authors of the brand new book, Free to Thrive. We've got Josh McDowell, who probably needs very inter- very little introduction to our audience, having co-authored 152 books and now in 128 languages. You guys know him. I, I My first Josh McDowell book was Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and that has been a number of years ago now. He has co-authored this new book with Ben Bennett, who might be new to you. Ben is the director of Resolution, the Resolution Movement, which is a global movement helping young people overcome hurts and struggles and thrive in life. Gentlemen, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. Hey, so good to be with y'all. Yeah, it's so great to have you, Ben. Um, Ben, let's actually start with you. Um, maybe introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience. And what what is the book, Free to Thrive? What are you guys trying to address here? Totally, yeah. My name is Ben Bennett. Serve, I've served with Josh for about four years now as a speaker and author and get to head up this uh, global youth initiative, just really helping resolution youth and their leaders with biblically-based, research-informed answers to people's hurts and struggles, stuff like anxiety, uh, porn addiction, uh, trauma, a lot of things that young people are dealing with today. And uh, before this, I was serving in a campus ministry for years, been involved in youth ministry for years, so just love getting to do what I do. And, and a lot of the book comes out of that. It, it is um, not just geared towards youth, but so many people around the world are, are dealing with a vast array of, of brokenness, of mental health struggles, especially on this side of COVID. And so we just really put a lot of um, our, our years, 75 plus years, mostly from Josh, you know, his, his years, his decades of, of um, ministry. <laughs> But for me, I've been in, in uh, ministry for 15 years and um, just really put our experiences in there and research and and stuff we've learned in our own healing journeys and, and working with thousands of people, helping them heal. Yeah, actually, that's um, one of the things that I think is the strongest point of the book Free to Thrive is just how personal you guys get. Um, Josh, talk about that. Talk about the need for 
you guys to get personal in order that other people would start to sort of honestly approach the conversations that each of us needs to have in our own journey to wholeness? My approach to scriptures is that it's truth lived out in relationships. All truth was given for relationships. And the best way to learn from someone else is to see how they walked through an issue. And in this book, both Ben and I have had a lot of baggage with us. And we're in the ministry, very successful ministry, everything. I mean, uh, the Josh McDowell ministry was was going phenomenal all over the world. And uh, yet I knew there was something wrong. And I called Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud, and I said, Henry, there's a problem in Camelot. He said, what do you mean? He said, I said, I don't know. There's something not going right in my life and I can't put my finger on it and I need a coach. Um, And so I share how I walked through some struggles that were from my childhood that my relationship with some of the things of my dad that he would say to me and all, how it affected me as an adult and kept me from truly thriving. And then Ben is very personal and share. And so mm-hmm. I believe in this book, as we're so personal with each other and with the reader, they can grasp the emotion of it so much easier. So the the part of the book, Ben, where you deal with identifying the unwanted and really tell your story um, you know, we don't need to go into that here, but I appreciate just how honest you are um, and faithful mm. you are um, in the in the telling of your own story. I'd love for you to lay out for folks the approach um, of the book, because you guys identify seven longings, and then you really do set out for us this wholeness apologetic model. And I want to talk about both of those. So which where should we start? Start with Ben there. All right, Ben, <laughs> let's talk about— well, let's talk about the seven longings. Um, and, and, you yeah. know, we don't have to go through all of them in depth, but, you know, what are we talking about there? Yeah, so what Josh and I found throughout the years and after meeting with many, many therapists and, and going through a lot of counseling, you know, ourselves, we basically realized in, that the Bible talks about these seven different longings or persistent cravings and needs that every single human being has. We're created to have those perfectly fulfilled in the Garden of Eden by God and others, there's seven of them. Um, I won't go into all seven, but but the two that ben, uh, let I'll me mention. Walk, let me walk through them, Ben. <laughs> all right, take it, Josh. Yeah. One is acceptance. And that means to be included, loved, and approved of as you are, no matter what. Second, appreciation. To be thanked or encouraged for what you have done. Third, affection. To be cared for with gentle touch or emotional engagement. Fourth, access, to have the consistent emotional and physical presence of key people in your life. Attention, to be known and understood with someone entering your world. And then six, affirmation of feelings, to have our feelings affirmed, validated, or confirmed by others. And then seventh, assurance of safety, to feel safe, protected, and provided for emotionally, physically, and financially. Those are seven longings that God built within our lives, I believe. And we need Mm -hmm. to find out how we satisfy them. And that's why we wrote the book, Free to Thrive, so people can learn how to experience these in their life. Yeah, I'll just say— Go ahead. Oh, 
That's all right. I was going to re- say- reset and tell people who they were listening to. So let me just do that really quick. The voice you're about to hear is Ben Bennett. The voice you just heard was Josh McDowell. They are the co-authors of Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles, and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. All right, Ben, take it away. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, acceptance is one of these foundational needs or longings that every single human being has. I think of you know, all throughout scripture where it talks about this, but specifically Romans 15, seven, it says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, there's something so unique and satisfying that comes when we know that we're accepted by God and others. And when we accept other people, it, it, it helps us know that we're valued. It helps us know that we matter, that we have a purpose. And, you know, that was God's Uh, intent in the Garden of Eden where we could fully experience that. But I know in my own life on this side of the Garden of Eden, that goes unmet so easily. And worse, it's often rejected. You know, growing up, I often didn't feel accepted for who I was in my family. I was bullied by my friends. I, I, and in that, that deep uh, rejection I experienced, I won't go into all of it, but that started to lead me to be anxious about the next time I would be rejected, to to be depressed because I would turn inward and agree with the lies that people were telling me. And eventually I got addicted to pornography. And that was a way for me to experience some kind of temporary, like pseudo acceptance. And it was all reacting to these, these deep unmet longings in my soul that God really wanted to satisfy. All right. I am talking with Ben Bennett and Josh McDowell. We're talking about their brand new book, Free to Thrive. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett, co-authors of the brand new book, Free to Thrive. Um, gentlemen, let's talk about the the model that you set forth in the book, the wholeness apologetic model. Um, Josh, what is the wholeness apologetics model, and how can it help us heal from past hurts? The wholeness apologetic model is we must take ourselves as a complete being, emotionally, physically, financially, everything. And these are longings that we need uh, to meet, to be all that God intended us to uh, to be. And one way of doing that is becoming aware of these things in your life. Uh, it starts with your mind to be aware of the past issues. And often we need help in doing that. That's why I went to Henry Cloud. And we just sat there and he talked me through. And And when he would explain things in my life from scripture and all, my, it was like a big spotlight was shining onto my life. And that's what we're trying to do with this book is to shine a spotlight on people's lives to see um, how it can be accepted, appreciated, affection, et cetera. So one of the, you know, the realities I think that we face as Christians today is what seems to be just an, an ongoing tipping effect at, you know, at the highest levels. People who we have regarded as role models in the faith, pastors of very large churches or leaders of very large ministries and, um, those people fail, have personal moral failures, and and then they fall. Their secret sins become major news headlines, and it it creates like a personal crisis in the life of the believer, but it also creates a public crisis for the witness of Christianity. 
Um, part of what it feels like you're addressing here is kind of all of that. You know, with uh, most of the, you, you were talking about some of the, the Christian leaders in the world and all, and almost every one of them that has fallen that I've had a chance to talk to, which is probably 10 or 12, because I want to know what causes it and everything. And what I noticed with almost everyone, there were unmet longings in their life that stemmed from their youth, things they had never dealt with, things they never made an issue in their life. So I'm hoping that this book will be read by a lot of leaders who will see, hey, you can be having a fabulous ministry, but there could be some deep things down in your life that God wants to shine a light on that will affect your future ministry. Yeah, this really feels like a, a game plan, a guide, a resource that Christians individually, but also in community, could turn to and use uh, in terms of preparing in advance and then responding mm. uh, when necessary. Uh, you know, I just think recognizing that these issues are going to continue to arise um, in our congregations, in our, you know, in our faith communities, and certainly in um, in ministries that are personality-centric, maybe is a good way to describe that. And so um, I just wanted to thank you because I see it potentially being used very positively in that way. Yeah, that's our that's our hope. You know, the after each question, after each chapter, there's all these questions so people can go through it together and and, you know, our, our hope is that this is not just something used after people are experiencing brokenness, but with the seven longings, people really uh, start to see, how can I flourish right here and now? How can I help young people, my, my kids flourish? How can we change the landscape of discipleship? So from a young age in the church, people are aware of what's going on inside of them. They're not having this life of secrets and isolation. They feel safe bringing their, their stuff into the light and, and getting help for it. So we're talking with Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett, authors of Free to Thrive. Um, ben, I'd love for you to just take a minute and talk about resolution. First of all, uh, forgive my mispronunciation of it at the outset of the hour as resolution. Um, re what is the resolution movement? Yeah, well, we call it both. So resolution or resolution, but uh, it's kind of a play on words. We want to resolution people uh, with biblically based research informed answers to their hurts and struggles, whether it's anxiety, depression, addiction, loneliness. I mean, even even uh, preventing suicide. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people. So Josh and I deeply believe in this next generation. And as we were uh, partnering together, working together the past four years, we really realized that there was unprecedented struggles in the lives of, of Gen Z, of young people today, a lack of a biblical worldview. And we wanted to uh, help be part of the solution to help resolution leaders and teens and young people. So we launched this resolution movement to help. And uh, we do a lot through podcasts, through articles, through videos, even stuff like TikTok on social media. It's just been awesome to be able to reach people all around the world because the average young person is spending about six hours plus on their phone each day. And so sometimes people are sitting in class on a Zoom call and they're coming across these videos and, and reaching out for help for their struggles and people are meeting Jesus. Carmen, You're listening right now. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Absolutely. In my, I'm basically a researcher. In my research of the top seven global epidemics, now think of this. Globally, in every culture, every country is anxiety, 
loneliness and depression. Those are top epidemics globally. And I didn't realize that until I did that research, how significant, I mean, loneliness is deadly. Depression is deadly. So all of this came together uh, when also I saw the research in the world of such a need for a book to address these issues. And what are healthy Christians? We have health. I was a healthy Christian, but I had a lot of baggage and I could become healthier. That's the story of Free to Thrive. Yeah, I think that's really so helpful. I appreciate what you guys do in the book in terms of the conversations about avoiding isolation, because isolation, it feels like, then feeds into some of those other um, really dangerous and even deadly um, challenges that are facing mm-hmm. not just the next generation, but my generation as well. I mean, you know, it's anxiety, depression, porn use, all of it seems to to feast on isolation. And so, Ben, maybe in the minute or two we have left, just invite people to engage with this material, Free to Thrive. Um, invite them to uh, engage with you guys um, online and on social media. Yeah, I would just say wherever you're at, God's not ashamed of your brokenness. He wants to enter into it. And and it's in our weakness that's um, his His love and some of his greatest power is is displayed. I know Josh and I have experienced that in our life. So come out, come out of hiding, step out. Um, God is welcoming you. And so you can get Free to Thrive wherever books are sold. You can follow Josh online. You can follow me online. Just search Josh McDowell, search Ben Bennett. On all different social platforms, you can get Free to Thrive wherever books are sold. And the Resolution Movement, easiest way is just to find it, resolutionmovement.org, and all the social links are are there. Yeah, you can actually get I, to um, you can get to all of it uh, from resolutionmovement.org, the book, and um, and the Josh McDowell ministry and crew and everything. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I'm hoping that many pastors, excuse me, <clears throat> hoping that many pastors will read this, one, for their own life, their own families, and second, to really be able to reach in and touch even deeper the lives of their congregation. And Josh, one of the things I want to say to you before we let you go today, um, I just really appreciate what you are what you are doing um, generation to generation, um, where you are lifting up, elevating, helping to build the platform of and increasing the exposure of not only guys like Ben, but others as well. So just really, I appreciate that and the way you're going about that. It's a wonderful demonstration of, um, of you know, how the gospel doesn't just belong to one person, but uh, ministry can uh, can redound generation to generation if there's somebody willing to to pass it along. So I just wanted to say well, thank know. you for that. Carmen, I've been around a few generations. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like I've been there for all of them. So there you go. Thank you, gentlemen, so very much. That's Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett, the brand new book, Free to Thrive. The ministry resources I want to direct you to as well at resolutionmovement.org. Uh, Josh and Ben, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. Let me remind you this morning that you are dearly and deeply loved. You are dearly and deeply loved. You might be struggling today seeing yourself in a way that um, is shameful or even self-hating. And let me remind you, that's not how God sees you. God loves you. Um, He created you um, 
He loves you. He's done everything necessary to redeem you. He sees you. He hears you. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're facing. He knows where you are right now. He knows what you're considering doing. Turn to him. I know that that seems utterly too simplistic for the challenges that you may be facing today. But trust me when I tell you, you can turn to him. He is a good, good father and he loves you. You are his child. He desires to help you. He desires to bear the burden that you think you bear alone. He desires that you would know you're not alone. Let me encourage you today. Turn to our good, good Father and know this. He loves you. He is worthy. He is ready. He is available. He is trustworthy. He is kind. His mercies are new every morning. Turn to him. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.